There are very few things that investors can do that are free. But what about a podcast that delivers educational content on investing, saving strategies, financial planning, topical items of interest, and maybe even the odd wacky topic? Welcome to Free Lunch. Hosted by Greg Kremitsky and Colin Andrews of the CM Group at CIBC Wood Gundy, Free Lunch will bring listeners the firm's vast knowledge and experience in dealing with uncertainty to help clients achieve their vision through a deep understanding of what is important to them that requires planning, money, and time. Learn more and subscribe today at markets-work.com. Welcome back to the Free Lunch Podcast with Greg and Colin. Greg, I say that every week. Welcome back. You do. But I mean it. Did you want me to say welcome back? Or are you? I, I think you do a great job of it. You so. give it a shot. Let's hear your version. Welcome back to the Free Lunch Podcast with Greg and Colin. You sound like Dr. Johnny Fever there. That's very good. Okay. In all seriousness, though, we've been spending a lot of times on some things over the last few weeks, things like specific products and macroeconomic trends and developments. Right on. Which is a really fancy word for saying how things appear. Right. Or how they look right now. What's going on out there. Yep. But today we're going to look at something a little closer to home when it comes to these macroeconomic trends and global tightening, and that is job loss. Ouch. There's been a fair bit of job loss in Canada in the last couple of years. As a matter of fact, in the last few weeks even, right? The Canadian job market has been deeply impacted by the global economic upheaval caused by COVID and other things, right? Right on. But as a result of COVID, there were a lot of businesses across various sectors that faced significant challenges like I don't know, how do you pay for things when you're not making things and selling things, right? Exactly. And then how do you staff your employees when you're not making or selling things? So this, of course, has resulted in widespread job losses. And we want to just talk about that a little bit today because just a couple of weeks ago, there were, I think, 1,500 employees of Suncor let go. And that was just a few weeks after 1,500 others were let go from the same company. Well, and you know, we live in Calgary and Alberta, and so it's fairly common over the last, well, 33 years that I've been living here, you know, the oil and gas sector has gone through so many of these ups and downs and periods of of job losses and then job recruitment when oil prices improve. So yeah, it's definitely something that we deal with here on a pretty regular basis. Well, and our office is right beside Suncor's office. So we walk by those people every day. So I'm not picking on Suncor, it's just the example of the day, right? But there's definitely been an impact from COVID-19 on the Canadian job market. The COVID-19 pandemic and its associated lockdown measures, they did cause some disruption to the Canadian economy. And as businesses grappled with reduced demand, restrictions, uncertainties, many were forced to downsize or cease operations altogether. Now, a lot of companies did not downsize as well, Greg. Their mantra, if that's the right way of saying that, was to stay fully employed. However, coming out of it, now you're starting to see some of those job losses as a result of a lack of revenue, really, right? And so consequently, unemployment rates, you know, they've gone up. (laughs) And job loss has become a pressing concern across the country. And it's part of monetary policy, actually. All those interest rate hikes that occurred, they're done to slow down spending. They're done to create job loss, right? Exactly. And the situation, of course, is a little bit different in Canada than the U.S., but looking at Canada specifically, according to Stats Canada, as of May 2023, the unemployment rate was 5.2%, which is 
consider an improvement from a peak of near 14% in May of 2020. So three years prior, at the height of the pandemic, 14% unemployment. So 5.2% is a massive improvement. However, it's still higher than it was, you know, at pre-pandemic levels. And certainly these figures change as the situation evolves. And as you brought up to some recent job losses in, you know, in our province, we'll see how that translates into the national numbers. Well, and actually, I got to argue against that 5.2% because it doesn't include people that have stopped just looking for for work. Well, and that's a national number, of course. So when you look on a province by province basis, you know, certainly there are a lot worse provinces than the average. So listen, with COVID, there was some very specific industries that were affected by job losses. and, And certainly hospitality and tourism was a pretty significant one. I mean, they suffered a real severe blow because of the travel restrictions of COVID and and reduced consumer spending. Major hotel chains such as Marriott International, for example, reported a global workforce reduction of about 30,000 employees during the pandemic. That's a real number, 30,000. That's a big number. Yeah. So retail, the retail industry, again, suffered a significant downturn because non-essential businesses were forced to shut down temporarily. And even major brands like Hudson's Bay Company announced layoff of about 2,000 employees in various roles, which included retail staff and corporate positions. So retail, airline industry. Oh, wait, wait, before you go on, the retail, I want to remember going from store to store, like you'd go to the mall and you'd go into a store and they'd make you put the, I don't know, the disinfectant on your yep. hands. Yep. And then you go to the store next door and they wouldn't let you in until you put the disinfectant on your hands. Right on. Yeah. (laughs) Or lining up to get into stores. I mean, because they were only allowing, you know, five people in at a time. Right. Uh, right. Interesting times. Crazy. The airline industry also, as as most people know, faced a pretty unprecedented crisis because travel came to a near standstill. And Air Canada actually reduced its workforce by about 20,000 employees during the pandemic. Now, a lot of those positions have actually been refilled over the last little while. And I think the airline industry has had a pretty significant recovery, although not without hiccups. Well, those hiccups right from when you let go of 20,000 people because there's no flights and then you open up all the flights and now you're short 20,000 people, right? So, exactly. So you people wonder why there was an issue with getting their baggage. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And then, as we mentioned earlier, oil and gas. I mean, as we mentioned in our last podcast, you know, oil prices fell to about low $20 per barrel and oil futures went negative. And so obviously not auguring well for the oil and gas industry back at that time in 2020. And so companies like Suncor, like you mentioned, Sonovas, lots of cost cutting measures, including workforce reductions. And Suncor, as you mentioned, just announced a reduction of about 2,000 positions. So some of the downturn, you know, has been reversed and some is still continuing. And the government stepped in at times, and I'm not going to say whether they're a good government or a bad government or any of that stuff, just that they've stepped in, right? I mean, they did create that Canada Emergency Response Benefit, otherwise known as CERB, to which Many people's children just sat at home and collected checks instead of going to look for work. That might have created part of the issue, actually. It could, it could have. However, I mean, I think it was done with good intentions, right? And the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy, which is another program that the government brought into play, assisting individuals and businesses just during the height of that pandemic. And Greg, I can't wait till we can stop talking about COVID 19 and the pandemic. It is such a different world we're in today than just. Just a few years ago, you know, like, remember we said, oh, the handshake's dead. The handshake is not dead. It's actually come back with full force. That's right. Right. 
So in conclusion, though, in regards to this job loss stuff in Canada, the job loss experience in Canada during the pandemic was profound and far-reaching, and it continues to linger on. Different industries, as you mentioned, have been affected with widespread layoffs, and government support and relief programs have done what they can, but it takes time for recovery. And I think it's crucial for companies, organizations, and individuals to really adapt to a rapidly changing job market. I mean, even one like, I don't know if I would go into graphic design right now, Greg. No. You know, it's all being done artificially, right? right. I mean, there's certain jobs that exist today that might not exist in the future. Isn't that kind of crazy? Yeah, that is crazy. I guess it's not that crazy. Like, you know, I used to tell people I was a, a clerk at Rogers Video. Yes, you know, now <laughs> if I told a younger person that, they'd be like, what's Roger's video? Exactly. Exactly. Anyways, so what should you do if you lose your job? That's what we're talking about today, Greg. Well, exactly. And and certainly what we want to focus on for the rest of this discussion is, well, what do you do and how do you deal with some of the challenging experiences that you're going to go through, particularly when it comes to finances? For sure. It's a topic that affects many people and Our goal of doing this podcast in general is to provide guidance, support, education, things like that, right? So, Greg, what is the first thing someone should do if they find that they're in a job loss situation? Well, I I would say that the first step is to take a deep breath, be calm, and assess the situation. I mean, losing a job can be emotionally overwhelming, but it's important to remain calm and focused. And, and the best place to start is by reviewing the finances and really understanding your current financial situation. We've talked a lot about financial planning in past episodes, but it's really critical. You need to get a clear picture of your finances, create a budget, right? Evaluate your expenses, identify areas where you can cut back temporarily or even permanently. You know, the Canadian Payroll Association did a survey recently And it found that around 35% of Canadians said they were overwhelmed by their debt levels. And that was like two years ago that survey came out. So the priorities would be things like housing, utilities, food, but look for ways to reduce non-essential spending, such as, I don't know, dining out, maybe subscriptions, other forms of entertainment. Don't even get me started on subscriptions. We've talked about that a bit in the past. Well, didn't uh, you have two Amazon Prime subscriptions at the same time? I did. Yeah, okay. I did. Yeah, proud to say. When's the last time you did a financial plan, Greg? (laughs) I'm due. (laughs) Well, the other thing that you really need to do is to take advantage of any unemployment benefits that you might be eligible for. So there's the Employment Insurance Program in Canada has certain requirements and processes to apply. And, you know, and you want to get on that as quickly as possible. The maximum weekly benefit for regular employment insurance benefits of Canada is about 55% of the average insurable weekly earnings up to a maximum amount. And as of 2021, and this has probably increased, we should get updated numbers, the maximum amount was set at about almost $600 per week. Which, I mean, sounds great, but not really. I mean, if your expenses are more than $600 a week, then that's not going to do it. But I think it's critical if you find yourself in this situation, you're collecting EI, or POGI, as some call it, right? right? You got to start looking for a new job. That's probably step one, right? But while you're doing that, it wouldn't hurt to explore alternative sources of income. I mean, I know, for example, we have a dog walker that works for us periodically. This is a person that has a full-time job, and she does this on the side and makes a few extra bucks, right? So consider some freelance work or part-time gigs, Maybe people are old enough for the Walmart greeter position or or not. I don't know. 
I don't know if that's available, but reach out to your professional network, friends, family, let them know that you're looking for things. I mean, networking is key. And in Canada, it is an interesting note that about 80% of jobs are actually not advertised. And that's according to a study by Statistics Canada. Yeah. And that networking and staying connected are really crucial during that period of time. And, you know, you also want to not be afraid to reach out for emotional support as well, because losing a job can be challenging both financially and emotionally. So you want to lean on loved ones, friends, you know, for encouragement and guidance. But, you know, also keep in mind that things have moved on since I started in the job world in the working world. And and one of the most significant networking opportunities is digital. And it's a program called LinkedIn, which if people aren't using LinkedIn currently, probably most have actually heard of it. But hey, if somebody hasn't heard of LinkedIn, it means that they're just not part of the labor force. Right. right. I mean, yeah. LinkedIn's pretty well known. That's right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I actually have many clients that are actually retired and not in the workforce and still have LinkedIn profiles. Sure. And one of the primary reason LinkedIn users are active on the platform is for job recruitment. And so here's some statistics from the U.S. LinkedIn. There's 58 million companies listed on the LinkedIn site and about 52 million people searching for jobs on LinkedIn every week. So it's no surprise that about 77% of recruiters regularly use LinkedIn. In a recent study, it found that about 122 million people received an interview through LinkedIn, with 35.5 million having been hired by a person they connected with on the site. So these numbers, obviously, these are U.S. numbers, and it's not going to be the same in Canada, but it'll be you know relatively the same. Well, this is like Tinder for work. That's right. Yeah. You know, and (laughs) (laughs) so they identify that basically there's 101 job applications submitted through LinkedIn every second and eight people are hired every minute. And, you know, we talked about a little bit of what happened, you know, in the March to December 2020 period from COVID and LinkedIn saw a sixfold increase in the number of remote job postings that were added in the U.S. during that period with over 300,000 remote positions. So LinkedIn is an excellent place to look for jobs, and it's good for employers, but we're more interested in employees at this point. And so great place to reach out and to network. I think there's another one called Indeed. Is that something? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a job recruitment site, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So another, anyways, if you find yourself in this situation, you're going to quickly figure out where those job boards are. That's right? right. But it's also a time when you need to evaluate your skills and maybe consider some potential training or education, something that can make you more employable. So there's another survey. I know we talk about surveys a lot, but I don't know why we talk about surveys a lot other than they, you know, they come from other people. It's facts. They're facts. Yeah. 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 You found them on the interweb. (laughs) Have to be factual. I just love facts. Yeah. (laughs) This one was the Canadian Occupational Projection System. I don't even know what that is, but sounds fancy. But industries like healthcare, technology, and skilled trades are projected to experience significant job growth in the coming years. So, you know, I think of things like having kids that are 19 and 17, almost 20 and 18. You know, you think of the future. And as I mentioned earlier, if one of my kids said, I'm thinking I'm going to take graphic design, I'd say, I don't think you should do that. If they said, I'm thinking about becoming an electrician, I would say, I think you should do that, you know, because you're going to need those skilled labor type of jobs going forward, right? Yep, absolutely. So upskilling or reskilling in certain areas, that can just open doors to new opportunities and make you more marketable. I mean, I think of a few years ago, we had a client whose daughter was a geologist. 
and the oil and gas sector just dried up, right? Well, she went back to school, did her MBA, and now she works for a major rail line in Canada. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a good time to sort of reflect on career goals and aspirations. And while losing a job can be emotional, of course, and and a shock, it can also be an opportunity for growth and a chance to pursue a path that really aligns more with what you know, your passions are and and your values. So you want to, you know, certainly take inspiration from stories of successful individuals who have turned those setbacks into comebacks. You know, and I personally, I'm lucky I have not lost a job, but I've certainly left jobs willingly. And interestingly, some of the emotions are the same, the concerns about, okay, well, what am I going to do? And so even though it was a choice, it still creates some of these same feelings, but also the same opportunities to move on and do something that's more in line with what you'd like to do. I've lost a job. Have you? Yeah. Early on, I was working for a major hotel chain who shall remain unnamed. Although if anybody wants the answer to that question, just send me a note. Anyways, they didn't have enough hours in the position that I was working in. They told me this and said that I should probably look for something with more hours. I started looking for something with more hours and then they let me go for looking for a job elsewhere. Right on. (laughs) (laughs) So I know what that feels like is what I'm getting to is that just remember, it's not the end. It leads to new beginnings or it can lead to a new beginning. And it certainly did for me, but it does require, I don't know, some calm, some thinking, some taking control of your finances, staying focused, you know, not getting too caught up in the doldrums. Isn't that a word you use a lot? Doldrums, yep. What does doldrums mean? I don't know. It's kind of like the blahs, you know, blahs. it's kind of, yeah. Yeah. Like it's always Monday. It's always yeah, blue. Exactly. Right? Yeah, that's right. Just keep pushing forward. Yeah, right on. And and that sort of takes us to the next part of our discussion. And and that's really money stress. So let, we're going to talk a little bit about strategies for dealing with some of that money stress and achieving, you know, more of a financial feeling of well-being. Mm-hmm. Well, money stress can take a toll on our overall well-being for sure. And it's really important to address it head on. And Greg, you know, why do you think money stress has become such an issue as it is today? Good question. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I think part of the problem is just, you know, in our world today, I mean, we're constantly bombarded with messages about what we should have or own and, and how we should look, you know, combine that with rising living costs. I mean, inflation over the last couple of years, of course, has been, you know, sky high. Debt, you know, pressure to keep up with our peers. It's really not a, a surprise that money stress has become more and more common. And a survey, again, by the Financial Planning Standards Council. Yeah. 42% of Canadians reported feeling overwhelmed by their financial situation. Yeah, yeah. Uh- Well, you see those numbers. I know we looked at some data recently from Russell Investments, and they talked about consumer debt levels in Canada. Consumer debt level in Canada is something like 180%, and that's fueled by our housing market and an expensive housing market. And most people that I know have mortgages, and if they were in a variable rate mortgage, their payments have gone up dramatically in the last 18 months. So I can definitely see why people feel overwhelmed by their financial situation. I mean, we've had just a rate hike, was it last week or the week before? One that was not fully expected out of the Bank of Canada. So, you know, when you look at these staggering statistics, you got to question yourself, like, what can people do to manage and reduce money stress in their lives? Exactly. Well, the first step is to face your financial situation head on, you know, so you can't ignore the problem that just exacerbates the stress. So you do need to take some time to assess the current financial status, 
including income, expenses, and debts, and really have a clear picture of where you stand financially. Like you will always feel out of control when you don't have that knowledge. So the knowledge is the basis. Yeah. And we addressed this at the beginning of our conversation, but I want to address it again is like, it's really critical to write down a budget, create a budget, like really track your expenses and identify where areas you can cut back on. Actually, you can do this in your health too, Greg. Absolutely. You know, you can track your food intake, for example. Yeah. doesn't have to be tracking your finances. But but in this example, if you've lost your job and you want to know where you can cut back things, you got to dig deep into your, to your expenses. Like you might want to go back through your credit card statements or bank statements and through the itemized lines and to figure out, well, what is a real expense I need to carry forward and what's one that I can cut out? That's right. Yeah, I mean, budgeting is a pretty powerful tool, but it's also important to practice some level of what I'll call self-compassion. I mean, you don't want to beat yourself up over past financial mistakes. For example, that condo at Whistler that I could have bought for $30,000, you know, 35 years ago. And you didn't? And I didn't. No, I didn't. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard, Greg. (laughs) Well, thank well, thank you for that compassion. <laughs> hey, well, if you're uh, going to give me a hard time about losing a job, I'm going to give you a hard time about missing out on that condo. Right on. So, you know, instead of that, I mean, you got to focus on the present and make positive changes moving forward. You can't change the past. You know, and everyone's financial journey and situation is unique. And it's never too late to start improving, you know, your financial well-being. Yeah, for sure. You know, and there's an importance to having access to liquid funds at all times. So whether you've lost your job or you're worried about it, or even in good times, you need to make sure that you've got access to an emergency fund because life happens. Life is just full of these unexpected events and and having a financial cushion does or can provide some peace of mind. Now, I wanted to talk about that real quickly, though. Even within your asset allocation, it didn't really work last year in 2022 where people, you know, the stock market was down and the bond market was down. And what people used before that was like, well, if the stock market's down, the bond market will be up and I'll take my expenses out of the bond side of the equation. I still think that that holds true going forward. But, you know, if it gives you peace of mind, have three to six months worth of living expenses just in something like either money market or a bank account, something. Well, and it even makes a lot more sense now than it did You know, unfortunately, you know, you look back and say a year and a half ago, well, having money in a daily interest or a high interest savings account was earning 0.2%. And that's the reason why a lot of people kind of sacrifice their liquidity in favor of owning stocks or bonds just because the 0.2% was not deemed an appropriate level of return. But I mean, today we're sitting with daily interest, high interest savings accounts paying anywhere from 43 to to 4.6%. And so having some money set aside and some portion of your asset allocation in liquid savings vehicles like that makes a lot of sense. And it also, it smooths or soothes some of that early stress about how are we going to, you know, meet our, our spending requirements. Well, and maybe it's just having access to some credit too. So even if somebody's like, well, I don't have the ability to have three to six months worth of something on the side. Well, maybe there's a way of having access to some revolving line of credit. That's right. Yeah. You know, and speaking of savings, it's pretty important to prioritize your financial goals. So you really need to identify what's truly important to you, whether it's, you know, saving for retirement, paying off debt, buying a house, you know. So you do want to make sure you've got clear goals that can help you stay motivated and focused on the journey ahead. 
Well, and that's what we do, Greg. We work with people on their goals, on making sure they're achieving them, tracking them, tracking their progress. I mean, so I would say like, don't hesitate to seek some professional help when needed. Like there's a reason why we have jobs, right? There's a reason I go to the doctor when I have a health issue. Exactly. There's a reason I go to the dentist when my tooth hurts. Like if you are worried about this stuff, if you're not coming to us, go to someone. For sure. Go to someone who's trained professionally. Yeah, exactly. And on the more emotional side, I mean, don't forget about self-care. You know, money stress can take a fairly significant toll on both mental and physical health. And I think that's fairly well documented. So it's important to practice, you know, activities that help you relax and recharge. So it could be exercising, meditating, spending quality time with your loved ones, whatever works for you. You want to prioritize that and make sure that you're taking care of your emotional health as well. Yeah, I was reading even going for a walk outside is a form of self-care, that there's something remarkable that happens in the cadence of your walk when you're just, say, walking around, I don't know, by the river or something. And I I get that. I get that. Yep, exactly. So yeah, self-care, that's a good one. Part of that is, as we mentioned earlier, reach out to friends, family, support groups, share your concerns, seek advice. That can be through uh, online systems or in-person Whatever it is, somebody else out there is going through the same thing as you're going through. Exactly. Right? And yeah. and sometimes talking about our financial stress can bring a fresh perspective and some new ideas. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, managing that money stress is an ongoing process. I mean, it's not one and done. You've got to be patient, you know, celebrate some small victories along the way and just realize that it's a journey, you know, and every step counts. Well, I think that kind of wraps it up for today, doesn't it? So, right on. Hey, we're here if anybody wants to talk about this stuff right? But on another serious note, please give us a rating when you're done listening to this podcast. We do appreciate getting some feedback and send us any topics that you'd like us to approach here because we're an open book. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. See you next time. Yep. Thank you for listening to the Free Lunch Podcast hosted by the CM Group at CIBC Wood Gundy. To subscribe to this podcast to get more realistic insight on investing or to connect with one of our talented partners, please head on over to markets-work.com. We'll see you next time on the Free Lunch Podcast. The CIBC logo and CIBC Private Wealth are registered trademarks of CIBC. If you are currently a CIBC Wood Gundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Private Wealth consists of services provided by CIBC and certain of its subsidiaries, including CIBC Wood Gundy, a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc. CIBC Private Wealth is a registered trademark of CIBC used under license. Wood Gundy is a registered trademark of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Colin Andrews and Greg Kraminski are investment advisors with CIBC Wood Gundy. This information, including any opinion, is based on various sources believed to be reliable, but its accuracy cannot be guaranteed and is subject to change. CIBC and CIBC World Markets, Inc., their affiliates, directors, officers, and employees may buy, sell, or hold a position in securities of a company mentioned herein, its affiliates or subsidiaries, and may also perform financial advisory services, investment banking or other services for, or have lending or other credit relationships with the same. CIBC World Markets, Inc. and its representatives will receive sales commissions and or a spread between bid and ask prices if you purchase, sell, or hold the securities referred to above. CIBC World Markets, Inc., 2023.